I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here with the author of 15 wonderful books, including Before the Alamo, which is her latest. Please buy this book. And she was the subject of a long, uh, extensive radio series before she started hosting her own uh, radio show and podcast. And you could hear us on 124 different outlets and counting, maybe more by now. And uh, she is uh, the subject of a documentary. Uh, so many great things to say about this educator, author, a speaker, and, of course, radio show host. Florence Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Frank. And I hope you are, too. Uh, I am. And, uh, listen, we usually have positive things to say when we're talking about San Antonio, uh, because I think you have very good leadership there and, and the mayor. But uh, But you just told me something that... That's a little disturbing. Uh, something about the librarians taking action to write a uh, write an editorial. Uh, fill in the audience if you don't mind. Yes, that's right. Uh, the far right wants to ban any books that don't agree with their uh, party line, with their bias and their point of view. And it has gotten so bad. There's so much pressure on uh, our local libraries. That, as uh, Frank just said, our local librarians uh, felt it necessary to write an editorial about it. And what I want to talk about today is precisely that, what it means to ban books. It may seem trivial under the circumstances because we're facing this incredible aggression by Putin uh, of Russia trying to reestablish the Soviet Union by taking over uh, by force and violence and killing and slaughter and driving people away uh, out of their homes and out of their country. Uh, uh, and uh, so all our attention is on that. And that's why I don't want to talk about it, because uh, you can hear about that from a hundred, a thousand sources uh, right now because it is the crisis of the moment. But there are other minor crisis, crises, and they are being caused by the far right wing of the Republican Party right now that still believes in Donald Trump and whatever Donald Trump says. And that is... Of course, that anything that does not agree with the Trump bias has to be banned. Mm. And this is uh, this is uh, particularly dangerous when it comes to school libraries. Children, uh, once they reach middle school age, need access to information about the facts. The facts, ma'am, just the facts. Uh, and uh, not propaganda on the left, but the facts uh, and information about our nations and the world's past, the world's history and our nation's history. This giving them information, of course, also at information about sex. <laughs> we mustn't forget that. Uh, the right wing doesn't want kids to learn about sex until they're already adults and are making terrible mistakes because they don't know enough. Uh, uh, but uh, telling them the facts uh, is not corrupting them. Uh, it's corrupting innocent minds. It is preparing them for responsible adulthood. Uh, 
Now, books, books can inspire emotions of all kinds. Uh, and any large library, like the public library, the main public library and all the branches here in San Antonio, the public library uh, inspires the books in the public library inspire different emotions according to the subject. They can inspire, uh, and they can inspire, they can upset you, they can move you. Uh, you can love them or hate them. But you learn to think. That is the importance of reading, is it teaches you to think about new ideas, whether they appeal or repulse you as you read. And thinking, oddly enough, prepares the young people for responsible adulthood, as I just said. Now, the Western world has a long history of book, uh, book banning. The Catholic Church, for centuries, maintained a list of books that threatened the Orthodox uh, theology, uh, the only approved way of thinking about the world at the time. And it was called the Index of Banned Books. And it only recently, in the 20th century, was stopped. So our grandparents and, and our parents, too, still lived not being able to access books if they obeyed the church in the church doctrine because those books were on the index. Now, one ironic case of somebody getting on the index was the case of René Descartes. Most people have heard of René Descartes. He was a 17th century French mathematician and philosopher. I think therefore I am. Exactly. I think, therefore I am. Uh, he, his ambition was to become the next St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, he was very devout uh, and very ambitious to climb uh, in the estimation of the church. And he tried, what he tried to do was, through using his reason, pure reason, to prove human immortality. And he equated, uh, therefore, he equated mind with soul. And since the soul is immortal, that means that we, each one of us, is also immortal since each one of us has a soul. And there, through his equation of the two, that mind is soul and immortal, comes this saying that you just quoted, I think, therefore I am, cogito ergo sum, and uh, therefore I am means that I exist. I exist in eternity. But guess what? The church found him to be a heretic. <laughs> so he got on the index when his ambition was to become the next St. Thomas Aquinas, which is incredibly ironic. But that is what banning books <laughs> does to people. And, of course, not just the Catholic Church has uh, had a history of that, but people in, uh, in Salem, uh, <laughs> burning witches, uh, were also banning books. And the Nazis famously burned books uh, authored by Jews who were conveniently blamed for all the world's ills. Thus, 
Einstein's uh, works were burned along with thousands of famous and not so famous unknown uh, authors because they were Jews. And uh, Jews, as we all know, of course, have caused all the world's problems. Now, uh, when we think of Hitler's regime negatively, uh, it is against a, an extreme right-wing dogma. However, if one believes historical record, one has to believe in the Holocaust, which was the result of Nazism and the hatred of Jews and therefore the desire to eliminate the entire a Jewish population in, in the world. And the right wing uh, right now is denying that the Holocaust ever happened. But of course the historical record, the historical record uh, confirms the existence uh, of uh, the Holocaust, the uh, murder the gassing and cremation uh, and mass, uh, simply mass shooting and mass burial of six million Jews. Uh, and that is not a myth. Uh, but people on the right wing believe that it never happened. And uh, they are trying to suppress books and film uh, and albums and so on that prove that it actually did happen and must never happen again. And so we need to maintain the freedom to access historical, the historical record, however uncomfortable it may be. Now, denial of the Holocaust and admiring Hitler leads to admiring Putin, who is emulating Hitler in his ruthless uh, dictatorship and his poisoning of his enemies, his imprisoning uh, his enemies, and controlling public access to uh, political and factual and historical information and books. So Russia has gone far along the road to becoming a dictatorship and perhaps an attempt at world dominion, uh, beginning with threatening uh, the uh, his neighbor, of course, the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. wow. So Tucker Carlson, for instance, uh, who is one of the main speakers on Fox News these days, is in Putin's pocket. He is repeating and spreading Russian propaganda. Heil Putin, he says. He's uh, calling Putin a hero. Uh, and I think many people uh, believe he is a hero. Why? Because Trump says he is. Trump admires Putin. So no back to banning books. No doubt about that. I'm sorry? Say, say no that doubt again. No about that. He admires him. Yeah. Yes, and it goes to prove that uh, the first impeachment was correct, <laughs> that, uh, that Trump used 
Russian propaganda help in order to become president in the first place. And of course, uh, he did not win the the, uh, the public's vote, the popular vote. He only won the Electoral College, which is an anti-democratic institution that should be uh, should be abandoned, like the filibuster. So, the, going back to banning books, uh, our libraries in San Antonio have a means for those who wish to ban a book and who complain about a book that is presently in the collection. Uh, what you do is to make a request for, and this committee is named this, a request a reconsideration of library materials. And that's the title of this group of librarians who very promptly uh, review the material and come to a verdict and communicate the verdict to the person making the request for getting rid of a certain book. So the process is professional and it allows one point of view to be considered and judged, but uh, it, it, is, uh, it is a means of avoiding censorship and avoiding prejudice. So the whole point in preventing book banning is to prevent the imposition of a single point of view, and that is the thought uh, thought police. If you impose one point of view on everybody, that is thought police, which is what happened under the Nazis, and fictionalized in the book 1984. The, and that is the destruction of the freedom of thought, and that is thoroughly un-American, and in fact, it is unconstitutional. Because we are guaranteed liberty, and it takes it away. So currently, the San Antonio libraries are under pressure to ban certain books. And the pressure is coming from, and I'm quoting here, higher authorities. And I think that the higher, one of the higher authorities is our Attorney General, Ken Paxton. And perhaps our Senator Ted Cruz as well. I don't know about Ted Cruz for sure, but I certainly know about Ken Paxton. He would like to ban books from our libraries. So our, librarian, our librarians are fighting this in the name of freedom of information and freedom of access to books on all sides of an issue. So reading about the lives and circumstances. For instance, this is an instance of the burning problem at the moment. Reading about the circumstances and environments of slaves is precisely its history, for heaven's, for heaven's sake. Now, the right wing is complaining bitterly when uh, statues memorializing uh, Confederate heroes, for instance, are being torn down, like Robert E. Lee's statue, for instance. That's a, a real sore point. They complain about uh, suppressing history. 
And that is precisely what they are doing when they ban books about the condition of slavery and how people suffered under slavery and just how, what their lives were under slavery. So ultimately, in the name of freedom, uh, we freely need to access information on all sides, whether it is odious to us or welcome to, to uh, perpetuate and immortalize our culture, which is a culture of liberty, freedom of thought, and freedom of access to information. And that is my <laughs> my uh, message for the day. I I just I mean are they I, I you know it's almost a rhetorical question because of where you live but are they are they getting solid ground to ban or, or support to ban these books are the the people going along with banning these books I mean it's it, people it, people on the right are all in favor of doing this yes I mean, it's... yes I don't know whether they are all in favor of doing it but there's there's certainly a faction and Ken Paxton is uh, is a leader thereof here in Texas uh, that would dearly love to get rid of all the history books that talk about the condition of slavery um, because that's critical race theory you know which is another slogan from the right, and that uh, and the teachers must not be allowed to teach it, uh, nor the children to learn about it, because uh, that would damage their poor little innocent minds, uh, and would maybe separate them from their parents who are far right wingers. Uh, we can't have it. We simply can't have it. So uh, history be damned. In that case, <laughs> no, no. We must whitewash it all. The white people have never done anything wrong. White people are the leaders, and they should remain so, especially the white men. Uh, <laughs> we should go back to the early 20th century and uh, before the women had the uh, the right to vote. <laughs> uh, you know, I could get, yeah, I could get really, uh, you know, extreme in <laughs> in my views. One of the reasons that I picked books to talk about today is that I was a professor uh, and then a professor of uh, French and Spanish literature uh, and, of course, a reader of uh, British and American literature, Latin American literature, and so forth. I think books should be available on all sides of an issue, and especially since if I'm going to do uh, work in the in the Renaissance and in the Golden Age of Spain, uh, I need to know history, and so history is something I believe should be available to anybody who is curious. You know, there was a there was a historian uh, named Eugene Weber. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was uh, he taught at um, UCLA University, of California, Los Angeles. He was born in Rom uh, Romania, but he came uh, basically from uh, the UK. He fought in the UK Army. But in 1989, he did a PBS series called The Western Tradition, and it's a 52-part series, and <clears throat> half hour each part, 
and I've watched this. I don't know how many. I, I loved it. You know, just uh, I I loved it for for years, and I just watched some recently, just some different episodes. And he was talking about the Greeks, and he said, you know, well, I mean, I don't want to get into the Greeks too much, but he said they uh, they really were the first to start talking about the rights of uh, of the people. He said, now keep in mind, the people didn't include women, um, right. foreigners. Or, or, and only freeborn uh, men slaves, right? And only freeborn men. He said, but he, he said something very interesting. He said, but this was the case for just about everywhere up until the 19th century, right? You know, in other words, like there was those, you know, there were no rights until then. So think about where we've come in in 200 years. I mean, we've really made great strides in mm-hmm. in 200 years. Uh, or you know, um, yeah, about two hundred years, not even uh, tremendous strides in the eighteen uh, hundreds, the nineteen hundreds, and you know, and now we're uh, we're moving forward. Uh, this is trying to turn back, turn back the clock to, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I guess to stop our our children from developing their minds to be, uh, you know, look. Just because my kid reads something in a book or is taught something in school doesn't mean that he or she goes to bed believing that at night. They have minds of their own. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, it's the same goes for their religion. Whatever religion they choose, you know, they're going to – we made that decision a long time ago. They're going to choose their own religion. We're not going to force anything down down their throat. What the, the right is doing in this particular case – is they're trying to stop the progress that's being mm-hmm. made. Now, I'll be the first to say I'm an independent, you know, so I'm not Republican nor am I a Democrat, but I'll be the first to say that there are extremes from the left that want to do, you know, that, that want to do uh, all kinds of things. Uh, for example, I heard, and not to go too much on this, but uh, I just heard this morning my, uh, my friend, uh, her and her husband, were asked by uh, by a uh, a hospital if her four year old uh, if her four year old son uh, identifies more as a, uh, a a boy or a girl, and again you know like they they just found it very funny you know like they're gonna stop them from watching cartoons and say hey uh, can you uh, can you tell me right now if you so again I think that went you know that that goes too far. When you start, you know, asking a four-year-old, you know, what they identify more, you know, that's that's yes, early. it sure does, right? So, <laughs> uh, but this, what this is doing uh, to to whitewash our history, because one of the biggest shame shameful moments of our American history, you know, and not including what we've done to the Native Americans out there, but was our treatment of African Americans. I, I mean, uh, history. I, I mean, uh, slavery. I mean, that's uh, you know beyond. Um, everything, but how we treated African Americans up until the '60s in the South, mm-hmm. you know, and, and right. uh, different, uh, you know, water fountains and bathrooms, and just the humiliating way to keep them down. This is somehow, some way, designed to to keep our kids ignorant. Because once my generation dies out, a lot of the prejudice is going to die out, and uh, and I think there's always going to be bigots, and there's always going to be people out of teaching their kids terrible things but at the end of the day um <laughs> when my generation dies out i think the next couple of generations behind me 
<coughs> are much, honestly, were taught much better than us, and I think they're uh, they're more open-minded than us. And I'm not saying they're perfect at all, but as far as treating people better, as far as not bullying people because of the um, some handicap or or some setback, uh, or uh, you know the race or or religion or the gender or or their preference, their sexual preference. The, the generation behind me is much better than my generation. And my generation, it was much better than your generation or my parents' generation. Mm-hmm. So yes. we're, we're moving in the right direction. We had an African-American president who did an excellent job. I mean, for, for eight years, uh, Barack Obama did nothing to shame himself. His family did nothing to shame himself. And he was the first and only, so far, African-American president that uh, that we had. Uh I, I, I thought we grew up a lot on that day when we when we could no longer say that we would never elect a black man president when right, that happened. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, uh, that's that's my two cents on this. But the people that are doing this are desperately trying to turn back the clock and, and yes. they're going they're going about it the whole wrong way. If you want to say, look, remember some of our principles from the fifties and sixties, let's let's not, you know, dismiss what what our parents believed in or something like that remind them of that or or to you know to make tribute to that but to try to erase history that is pure and and, and by the way it's not going to work either i mean the internet is is out there it's not going to uh, they they're not going to solve this they're not going to stop this wave from happening but wow they're really trying to and it's you know it's borderline evil that they're that they're doing this Yes, exactly, uh, and of course, as uh, an an elder stateswoman here, uh, I was married to a man who was twice my age. When I married him, I was twenty-one; he was forty-two, and he was actually a Holocaust survivor himself. And his family had been eliminated. Uh, his his father killed in Buchenwald concentration camp uh, and so he had lived the Holocaust and I of course as his wife lived it through him I saw how he suffered I saw the PTSD that he suffered from because of the uh, he was in a concentration camp himself for I don't know how long several months I think and uh, it fortunately was a Vichy a French concentration camp, and so he only almost starved to death. Uh, he was never tortured or anything of that sort. Uh, but he he probably saw people die of starvation in there who were not as uh, fit, physically fit, as he was. But nonetheless, I know from personal experience about the Holocaust. And, of course, I have seen all the, the photographs, the, the uh, newsreels, and so on. I saw them when they came out uh, in the 40s, and so on. So I'm a living witness. Uh, I was not over there, thank God, but uh, I'm a, a witness of its effects that reached uh, across the Atlantic to the United States. So it is undeniable. History is undeniable, and there are still people around who actually remember it. So it cannot be denied. It is a fact. Just unbelievable. Doc, wonderful um, commentary on, on, a, uh, on a very disturbing trend. 
that's happening right in your own neck of the woods. And, right. You know, to me, my gosh, um, it's uh, it's hard to believe that this is 2022 that we're speaking in. When you talk about banning books, and and we're not talking about something that's offensive. Well, we're not. Well, you could say it's offensive. We're not talking about something that that is sexually offensive or nudity or it's it's not the old uh, you know the the old argument about that which by the way nowadays they put a sticker on that and and whatever but we're talking about teaching the history of of the united states and slavery by the way our forefathers uh one of the biggest shames that we have and and i admire the men for what they did to give us this this country and everything else but they they were slave owners. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were slave owners, and many of the other right. folks that were there, they were slave owners. Uh, for us to whitewash that and just pretend it didn't happen and uh, is it, just it, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. How do you uh, how do you do that? I mean, it's like Germany, um, you know, trying to wipe out those years. You know, those years from from Hitler, um, thirty three to you know forty five. I mean, what happened in those years? You know, I mean. It, I, I, they have a very complicated, they have a very complicated situation to deal with in school. And I, uh, I haven't spoken to many German um, educators. Have you? Have you spoken to German educators about how they handle it? Uh, uh, yes, I have actually. Uh, the historian and archivist of uh, the town of Plunkow, uh, who helped me uh, gather information to write a book uh, called. Unrest in Eden. Um, uh, he was a teacher at the high school level. It wasn't called high school; it was called gymnasium. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, he has great. He is old enough. He's in his eighties now, too. Uh, he is old enough to remember the Nazi period very clearly and what it did to uh, his little town. Uh, he, uh, Uncle was never bombed. They were very lucky uh, as far as destruction from wars is concerned. So it still has buildings, buildings that in the uh, in the central area that uh, go back to the 15th century, so 14 something or other. Uh, they're still there. Uh, so it's a very quaint and lovely little town. But uh, there were Nazis in that town, and they. Uh, they did evil deeds such as attacking the Jewish cemetery, uprooting the tombstones, desecrating the graves, and so on and so forth. And uh, he feels, uh, I can tell, even though he probably personally he was a child, uh, he wasn't personally involved in any of that. Uh, he nonetheless uh, was pass a passive witness to it, and I think he feels guilty for not having been able to do anything about it. Uh, so, uh, yes, Germans are conflicted, even if they were totally uh, free of guilt of uh, participating in Nazism. They nonetheless bear the guilt, the collective guilt, of having uh, done such a horrific thing to uh, to their Jews, uh, who are very scarce on the ground over there even now. I don't blame them. So there's that. Um, just one footnote that unrelated to any of this conversation, and that is that nearly half of the applications for a mail-in ballot have been rejected, which means that 
Republican voters as well as Democratic voters uh, have been shut out of voting in this uh, little uh, election that we have going right now. Uh, unless they appeal uh, and uh, go down to the uh, to the center and uh, uh, and see if they can get a, a ballot personally uh, by protesting this judgment that their application was false under some pretext. Uh, it's 40 percent, not 50, but 40 uh, percent is shutting out a whole lot of people. And that is precisely why everybody, including voters who have voted here in Texas, in my case, since 1989, regularly receiving a mail-in ballot without having to apply for it, we now have to ask, pretty please, would you send us a ballot? And if we don't fill out the form correctly, we're shut out. So footnote in. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. You know, it's uh... yes, isn't it? Texas is really one of these, uh, one of these uh, exemplary Republican right-wing states, and I'm just hoping that uh, some relief might be coming through the uh, through the elections. But I'm afraid that the tactics to shut down uh, any kind of reform will be successful. Doc. Wonderful job as always. This is this is a very disturbing trend that's happening. At, but so many things that you report out of Texas are disturbing, and yeah, I just can't. Um, yeah, I just can't get over. Uh, you know, some of the things that are going on there. And, right. You know, we thank you for bringing them to our attention uh, because it's, you know, it's not necessarily, um, and and these are hot button issues. You know. But it doesn't. It, it's getting lost. Certainly now with the war in the Ukraine and and the Russian invasion, that's happening. Uh, this is this is the type of thing that could easily get lost. But I would hope that I would hope that our uh, our listeners are are uh, looking into all of this so they could uh, inform the people around them. You know, especially young people. Um, yes. Uh, yes. It, it... We need to be aware of our local issues uh, that are also important. Uh, it's it's very important to keep abreast of what's happening abroad. There's no question. Uh, but our local issues are sneaking up on us and will affect us in the future, <laughs> especially uh, these elections. And uh, Texas, I fear, is going to go right wing uh, and. Uh, and so will most of uh, most of the Republican-led uh, uh, states. I've, I'm very worried about that. But as as you say, we are immersed in international news at the moment. Just can't forget the local. Great job, as always, and to everyone out there. Um, thank you for listening each and every week. And please um, buy the books. By by the books, especially before the Alamo. That's the latest, and uh, just a wonderful read. And everyone's got to get it. Frank McKay signing off. You've been listening to the Florence Weinberg Show, and we invite you to hear us next time on 